Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Jokic behind his back. What a taste like, Jokic. Your sitter. Wow. As long as there are fans on this one, that's all I care about. So the Warrior fans can be here, the Celtics fans can be here, the Laker fans can be here. But take that L on the way out. Jokic. Harris gets the game. To the Pickaxe Podcast. It is Zach Mikosh with DenverStiffs.com. We are without Mr. Gordon Gross today because that's my fault. Yesterday was the Super Bowl and uh, I did not have time to record last night because of the festivities. So I'm going to fly solo here this morning, Monday morning, and hopefully we'll get you guys through this one pretty quickly today. I always say that when I'm on by myself. I always figure I won't ramble on for 45 minutes and then inevitably that is what I do. But we'll try not do it this week. Pretty big, um, big week for Nuggets news. We've got to go over a crazy kind of week in terms of games. The the Nuggets went 2-2. Two and two. Gordon and I both predicted they would go 2-2 two and two on the week. Neither of us had them going 2-2 two and two the way that they did, losing to the two easier teams on their schedule, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Detroit Pistons, and then winning that crazy back-to-back um, with the Utah Jazz and then in Milwaukee against the Milwaukee Bucks, just the third time the Bucks have lost a game on their home floor this season. We will, or I will, break all of that down for you guys. And then I want to talk also about we saw Michael Porter Jr. go down with an ankle injury. Those injuries continue to pile up for the Nuggets. We'll get into a little bit about how he he specifically uh, going out has affected them, as already we've seen in just um, especially that game against Detroit. And then I also want to talk about he was also snubbed for the Rising Stars game while Nikola Jokic was announced as a All-Star Reserve. So big, big week of things that happened. And then we've got to look forward, as we always do on the Pickaxe podcast, and we've got the trade deadline this week. So um, we want to definitely spend some time talking about that. Another rumor comes out today with from uh, Zach Lowe of ESPN, Drew Holiday, and the Nuggets linked once again there be interesting to see uh if that's something that they can actually pull off i've got a lot of thoughts on what i think is going to happen on the trade deadline so we can definitely um get into all that but you guys are gonna have to hang around that's gonna be at the end of the show so uh let's not delay then let's get right into it let's talk talk about the week and let's talk about this two and two um scenario which like i said both gordon and i predicted that so i think uh, for a certain sense you have to be happy with it if you if you had said at the beginning of the week hey they're gonna go two and two you would have been maybe happy is not the right word but you would have been okay right you would have been like okay that makes sense there i guess the problem with it making sense is you figured they'll probably drop one of these games against these easy teams they're both on the road um and in Memphis, in particular, is, is not necessarily an easy team. They are the eighth seed right now in the West. They are a young team with a lot of talent. You catch those teams 
on their on their court coming off of such a, a crazy emotional game from the one before with the, the news of Kobe Bryant hitting and then you have to play that game against Houston 30 minutes later and then and then you know you kind of just ride I think the adrenaline somewhat in that game um, but then everything kind of really kind of hits you and then you come back on, on uh, what was it Tuesday there and have to play that game against Memphis I was not shocked that's what I had said in the last week when we were previewing it I said I, I guarantee you or I didn't guarantee but I said I bet you they lose that game against Memphis so it wasn't shocking necessarily for me to lose that game against Memphis it's not necessarily shocking to me that they lost the game against Detroit either that was the third game in 60 hours Weird stuff always happens in those games that start at like, you know, in that case, it was 1230 Eastern time. Uh, what was it? 1030 um, here in in Colorado. They, we've seen that all the time. It's it's a definite potential for in, anything can happen kind of game. Uh, and I think we kind of saw that that Detroit game was a bit crazy. So, you know, I don't. I don't necessarily bemoan the losses. I do somewhat against Detroit because you were up on them. You had them, like you had them in the bag, and 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 you let it get away from you. That one is tough, and you can and you can bemoan somewhat the Memphis one because it wasn't just a matter of hey, Memphis is a young, talented team. They came out just completely flat. Nuggets didn't want to play the game. Like I said, though, I do understand that because I, I was expecting sort of an emotional letdown in that in that contest. So it wasn't too surprising. But you can't let that be an excuse. And for a team who has a mantra of no excuses. Uh, which I want to get into that a little bit, but um, you can't you can't use that as an excuse and and then and then come out the way they did against Memphis. The wins though really offset it because the bottom line was the most important game was that game against the Utah Jazz. That was the one that you had to get. It was on your home court. It's against the division rival. It's the first of your four games against them. Tiebreaker with Utah who pretty much is neck and neck with you right now in the Northwest. I mean those all those things considered that was the most important game and you could not lose to them on your home court. Nuggets don't do that. They take care of it. It was sort of a back and forth game. It looked kind of touch and go there for a while. They ended up uh, catching steam there in that third quarter and never looking back. Ironically, the same thing they did against Milwaukee. But the Bucks, nobody kind of expected that win just because, one, the Bucks are awesome. They, they'd only lost six games going into it and had... Uh, actually um only lost two on their home court but you also had the thing of okay you were in denver the night before you were playing a national tv game at at 8 30 uh at night and then <clears throat> had to leave you know i think they got in at, it was probably like 4 30 local time in milwaukee so you get to bed at like five in the morning and then you've got another game that night oh by the way it's against the best team in the nba that's about as hard as you can get on a back-to-back, -back, the only thing that might be tougher would be if you were doing that, uh, if you had had to play, like, Milwaukee at home after you had just played in L.A. or something the night before on national TV, so you were also making that jump back up to altitude. That was the only thing that really didn't make it as hard as possible in terms of a home and away uh, back-to-back. So, 
kudos to the uh, to the Nuggets. I mean, you can't you can't say enough about that win. The problem is, is it's Milwaukee is it's a nice win. It's a good shiny like like pin that one on our on our jersey that we we pulled off this crazy back to back victory. It's it's an East Conference team though is is the one thing that that stinks. Like it would have been way way cooler if Milwaukee was in the West and was like the number one seed in the West, and you thought okay this could this could go into playing into some tiebreakers, or if it was like a a Portland Utah back to back sort of what what Denver's going to end up doing this week. Um, that might have been a little bit cooler for them, and it would have been more impactful, I guess, if you look at look at how it could help you long term in the season. But it's still really awesome to to, to go into Milwaukee on Greek night um, and beat Giannis and and the Bucks. Uh, kudos to the Nuggets for that one, really really big win. And so that that brings us to the question of is it a positive week or is it a negative week? And ultimately, I take it as a positive week because you got. You ended up two and two, which is acceptable. You'd wanted you wanted to go three and one, I think. Really, um, obviously, you want to go four and zero, oh, but three and one would have been really good as well. You, but you get that victory against Utah that you had to have, and then you got another one in there. And if you're gonna pick one to win, I mean, it's not a terrible one to take is the Milwaukee win, right? Because that's that's the really cool game, and that's that's the statement one. The thing I think for a lot of Nuggets fans that they'll find disappointing is. We dropped games against the Grizzlies and the Pistons, and that's sort of the the theme of this year and has been the theme of this team for several seasons. And that's really where, you know, the the, the everybody came off of that Milwaukee game and it was like, no excuses, here it is, this is our mantra. And it was and and you could like you could say, Yeah, they're living it. Like they just beat this the best team in the NBA on this crazy back to back. But the problem is is there's one very notable excuse that this team has even though they won't come out and admit it but we all see it and we all know it and that excuse is if they think that team that they're playing against isn't as good as them then that gives them an excuse to not try as hard that they normally would and we have seen it time and time and time again to the point now where it's just we expect Gordon and I both said they're going to be two and two this week because we both expected them to end up dropping a game against one of these lesser opponents. They ended up dropping them both, and that's that's what they've they've got to find a way to button this up. Like it's it's been an issue for years, and and they still can't get over it. They've got to find a way to be able to close out a team like the Detroit Pistons when you're up 20 points or whatever it is on them in the first half, when you, you can't drop 44 points in the first quarter and then drop 18 in the second. And that's, that's what was the disappointing thing about that Detroit game was it looked almost like, hey... They thought they figured, hey, we got this in the bag. We just put 44 on them in the first quarter. No problem. No excuses. And then they just pretty much um, let it let it slip away from them to a point. Obviously, they had a chance to win it there right at the end, but they, they should have never been in that position to begin with, with the way they started that game. Still, though, I'll take it. I'll take it as a, a positive week overall with the Nuggets. Um and and getting the the win against Utah, like I said, and also still picking up a second win there on the week. Uh, the the downside, the other big downside to this week was we saw another injury. Michael Porter Jr. now out with a apparent ankle injury. It'll be interesting to see how long uh, he is gone for. It did not seem to be serious. That happened in the uh, in the Milwaukee game, but he did not play. Uh, against Detroit, I don't know. Yeah, there won't be a new injury report up until um, about a couple hours from now. So we'll see if he will be good for the Portland game tomorrow. Um, but without him, that was a big. There was a. 
it was very noticeable that he was he was out I think in that game against Detroit for a couple of reasons. Number one, the guy is just shores up so much rebounding for you, and he is such such a good rebounder that when you're going up against a team who has the best rebounder in the NBA in Andre Drummond and the Detroit Pistons, you you really could have used his help uh, on the boards because especially with with Paul Millsap and Mason Plumlee out like there's not a ton of rebounding on this team so you take Michael Porter Jr away from that as well you're basically down to Jokic as your only strong rebounder um at least from the front court so that's that really hurts them the other thing that really hurts them too is they're just they don't have much in the way of playmaking um in their secondary unit because they're playing a lot of, you know, you're getting a lot of uh, Monty Morris with starters, even though sometimes the Nuggets will start, you know, Will Barton and Torrey Craig and Gary Harris there. There's still a need to have a true point guard in there with those guys. A lot of the time, uh, especially if they're going to have Jokic off the floor. So you're still getting Monty Morris a lot with a bunch of the starters and you're leaving that bench unit either with, you know, Monty kind of half the time, maybe Will Barton's trying to run it. It's you got PJ Dozier, who's um, who's really, really played well. I, I don't want to uh, talk ill PJ Dozier because I've been saying this. I think that guy is, is a legit NBA player. I think that guy, uh, the Nuggets have somebody who can be a rotation piece for them, but he's he's kind of a combo guard uh, in and of himself. He's not necessarily the greatest of playmakers. So, you you've had Michael Porter Jr. to kind of bail that group out a lot, right? Like he's he's a play can make plays all by himself, doesn't need anybody to set him up, and and he can score you know in bunches, and and that's really helped them. So when you pull that away now too, and you don't necessarily have Monty Morris in there, and you don't you don't even if you do you don't have him being able to run the pick and roll with Mason Plumley like he normally does, and like that, that's one of the biggest ways they operate in that that second unit you, you're really starting to stretch now you're just trying to say okay well what can pj dozier create for himself what is you know we need tory craig to be hitting shots we need wancho Hernan gomez to be hitting shots and if those guys are off you you suddenly really kind of grind to a halt and so that's that's how how his injury michael porter jr's injury specifically is really really, I think, hurting them right now. And you got to think about it. This guy is kind of filling two different roles of two very important players. He's filling a big portion of what Mason Plumlee uh, gave the Nuggets from the standpoint of, I mean, they're playing him at center at times. We've seen that. He's, uh, um, like I said, he's on the boards. He's filling that role that Mason Plumlee is now uh, not filling because of the injury. He's he's giving them some playmaking from the center position in that second unit, which that's what they looked for for Mason Plumlee because you know Porter is a, is an underrated passer as well. They're not operating him like they do Plumlee necessarily out at the high elbow, you know, up there um, trying to emulate kind of what they do with Jokic. They haven't done that yet. It would be kind of interesting to see if they would throw that wrinkle in there. But he's giving them other options um, that keeps their their offense ticking, like I've been talking about. So he's filling a lot of what Mason Plumlee does for you and he's filling a lot of what Jamal Murray was doing for you too I mean with with just the scoring and the three-point shooting and being able to space the floor that's why he's getting a lot of time with the starters as well is because he gives you the the threat on the outside that maybe a Monty Morris or a Torrey Craig does not and and that was a threat that used to be filled by Jamal Murray in that starting group so now when you pull that away it's just really really hard because now you're you're your bench is just stretched and your depth is stretched really thin to where guys like Juancho Hernan Gomez, um, who's been very up and down this season, 
you need him to be up. Like, you can't take the down. And with Michael Porter Jr., on the offensive end at least, there's never really been a down, right? Like, I mean, I, he's probably had a bad game shooting in there. Um, one or two, I'm sure. But he's been a very consistent threat on offense. And it's now at the point that he's done it in enough games that other teams know when he's on the court that they have to respect that. And, and they don't have that in a Wancho Hernan Gomez unless Wancho's approve it, right? He's going to have to prove it to the other team first, and then maybe they make the adjustment. But if he doesn't prove it, then, then the Nuggets are kind of stuck because there's nothing else. There's nobody else to turn to at this point. So it's, it's very, uh, very concerning. And hopefully, hopefully his injury, um, is not is not very long. I don't I don't anticipate any of these other guys like the Mason Plumley, Paul Millsap, Jamal Murray. I don't anticipate any of those guys coming back before the All Star break. Maybe Murray, um, but I think that's probably you're looking at those other two guys who who Porter fills a lot of their their minutes right now. Millsap and Plumley. I think those two guys you're probably looking out till the all-star break at least so hopefully he can get back um before then i wouldn't expect anybody other than him to be back like i said maybe murray um speaking of that all-star break and michael porter jr we got the news this week of course that uh he was not named to the rising stars uh game when nicole Jokic was named as an all-star reserve uh obviously well deserved for nicole Jokic, it's second year in a row i think this is pretty much going to be kind of an automatic thing for him moving forward, you're basically going to always see Nikola Jokic getting these nods because the the players and the coaches um, respect his game so much and understand how impactful he is to a successful Denver Nuggets team that he's always going to get in that way. And the fan vote maybe he you know isn't going to come along quite as quick, and so he's not necessarily going to be a perennial All Star starter, um, especially with the way the way the format works. Nuggets getting screwed a lot by the formats on these things, but with the with no true center position, right, and having three front court positions instead, that really kind of limits um, Jokic's chances in terms of fan voting. I think as as the, if the Nuggets can continue their success in the playoffs, continue to have long playoff runs, then certainly you're going to start to see him get some more national notoriety. Certainly, if they make a finals or something like that. Uh, I think you'll start to see Jokic get more recognition, just like Dirk did, and and you'll start to see him get become a perennial All Star starter, just like Dirk was. But even Dirk, at the same time, I mean, he wasn't a starter every single every single year in year out. So it's it's something that I think he'll never it'll never be like LeBron, right, where he's you know he's going to start every single time, and the fan vote all, alone will almost carry that. Um, but I think you will certainly start to see him. Uh, Jokic, that is, get more and more starter votes from the fans as the Nuggets find success on a national stage. That's the thing is the Nuggets, it stinks this year too for them. I mean, every time they've been on the national stage, they've kind of gotten, they've played some pretty poor games. So that's that's probably hurt him a little bit. And then he just hasn't had enough time in the playoffs because every playoff game is on the national stage. So as he does that and as they have success there, that should translate, I think, into more all-star starts. The thing that, that is, uh, to me, much more egregious in the... Uh, in this week's news in terms of that, the all-star break is Michael Porter Jr. Not being named to the rising stars game. I don't, I don't understand the thought process on that really at all, because it's like, you know, most people point to, well, he hasn't played enough. He doesn't have much minutes. And, and you would be like, well, that's true, but they put Zion Williamson in, even though it, well, they put Zion Williamson in, then even though he's only played a few games, 
And then, of course, they immediately made him an injury replacement. Oh, he's not going to play. And so then they put, like, Wendell Carter Jr. instead, which shows you that it was just total BS fan service for for Zion, right? Like, he clearly wasn't going to play in the game. But, well, we'll put him in here to say, yeah, look, we put in Zion, uh, which makes a total farce of the thing because you don't put in Michael Porter Jr. So what's, like, what's the argument for Zion? That, that he should be in there and Michael Porter Jr. shouldn't because Michael Porter Jr. has played way more minutes, played way more games. He's got, a, you know, a huge star following as well. I get he's not the number one pick overall in the draft, but, I mean, the guy is one of the most covered rookies uh, right now in the NBA. He's got all the talent in the world to potentially be a superstar. He looks like a rising star player. Like, it makes zero sense. And so to me, when I saw that, when I see Zion gets gets in, but he's not actually in, we're going to make him injury replacement. So it's just BS fan service. Like, but MPJ is out. So it's like, okay, the, then what is it? Like, is, 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 this a, is this a popularity contest? Or is this about the uh, semantics of what a rising star is? Or is this about the talent and the, and the play that they put in? Because any way you look at it, Michael Porter Jr. should be in there. Whether you want to look at his stats compared to um, some of the other guys who got him, whether you want to look at his star power, whether you want to look at whether or not he's got the the ceiling of of to be great, he he has every single thing. He checks every single one of those boxes over somebody who made this roster. So honestly, when it comes down to it, I think what hurts him the most is again, the format. Like I was saying about Jokic, when they do the world versus the USA, well, that limits, that puts a cap, um, on, on the number of us players that they can put in, in the game to the point there. I mean, if you even look at the, uh, the rising stars world team, it's not exactly, I mean, it's not exactly a roster of guys who are, uh, all coming from overseas here. Right. I mean, a lot of these guys have played in the, um, or have grown up in the United States and they, but they have dual citizenship. Maybe they were originally, you know, they were born, uh, in, in somewhere in, uh, around the world and only, um, came over here when they were very young. You know, it's, it's a, it's a somewhat kind of a, uh, a farce anyways on that end. And then also you just, the, the, the international game has came a long, long way since, you know, 20 year, 20, 30 years ago, even, even 10 years ago, but it's still not at a point where you can field a roster of international players of true international players and make them, um, as, as, as competitive as a roster of us players. It's just, we're just not there yet. And so you end up, what you end up doing is you end up getting guys like, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I don't want to despair. I mean, Svi, I'm not even gonna try to pronounce his last name. When the Nuggets just played him last last week, we got Mikhailuk. You know, a guy probably doesn't ex- necessarily belong in there. Nikhail Alexander Walker probably doesn't really uh, belong in there. Josh Kogi, I mean, these guys, they haven't really had that great of years. It's kind of hard to call them. Um, rising stars when they're, when they're averaging, you know, I mean, you look at, 
when a guy like Alexander Walker is averaging five points a game, five points, two assists, and two boards, and he gets in over Michael Porter Jr. because he can play on the world team and Michael Porter Jr. can't. Like that, that is really ultimately what I think hurts this team um, more than anything. And to be honest, like yeah, he, I mean, I'd have put him in over Wendell Carter Jr. for sure. Uh, I'd have put him in over Eric Paschal for sure. Like I'd have put him in. Uh, PJ Washington's been pretty good. I I don't want I don't know, but that like that's probably where I'm at. Like I I still would have put him in over over guys on the U.S. team as well. So it's very frustrating. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. of course had the exact response to have in that he's focused on the playoffs and that means more to him, which is what you want to hear. Not that the NBA can. Well, you know how the rest goes from our dear friends over at the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. So, uh, all right, let's go ahead. Let's take a break. And then when we get back, we will go over what's another big week. And then also the trade deadline. So stick with us. Do it. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate, and he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pickaxe podcast, Zach Gosh, Roland Solo, Gordon Gross was uh, responsible last night and probably would have been able to podcast, but I was not, so I had to wait till this morning to get it done. Um, anyways, we've got a big, big week for the Nuggets coming up again. Three games on the docket, two of them within the division. They will play the Portland Trailblazers on Tuesday before getting the Utah Jazz. I don't, 
I don't think that's a back-to-back. -back. I'd have to check it here. But uh, they do have the Utah Jazz. They go on the road there against them before finishing up the week against... It is a back-to-back. -back. Son of a... Um, they finish up the week there against in Phoenix. So that's... Boy, that's a... I didn't even realize that. That, that makes this uh, that Utah game really, really tough for Denver, too. They'll get Portland on Tuesday night and then have to go to Utah uh, and play them. On Wednesday night, the Portland game is not an easy one either. And the Nuggets, as we were talking about there in the first half, and their tendencies to overlook teams, like they they are going to need to be all hands on deck for that Portland game. If you haven't noticed, uh, Damian Lillard is playing out of his mind. He's averaging something like 47 points over his last six games and 10 assists to go with it. I think the one game he didn't score like over 45 uh, he scored like 36 and had a triple double. So it's, it, it shows you like the level of play that guy is bringing in. It's, you know, it's led to the Portland trailblazers winning something like, I think they won like, uh, five of their last six. So, and, and some quality teams in there too. So they, they look like, and we see this out of Portland almost every year, right? This is the time January, February. Now is the time they start making their run. It'll be interesting to see if they can overcome it. They've had a, uh, a pretty poor first start uh, to to the season or first half of the season. That being said, though, they're only when you look at it, guys, they're only a game and a half back of the eighth seed right now because that eighth seed has kind of sat there right around that 500 level, and that's kind of what it, it remind me uh, a few years ago and when the Nuggets were trying to get that eighth seed against the Blazers. Uh, we all remember Yusuf Nurkic and wishing us a nice summer. Um, he. Uh, that that year, remember if you remember, the Nuggets only needed to win like forty. They tied the Blazers. Actually, had forty two wins, but I think the Blazers had the tiebreaker um, and got in. And and so this year seems like the same. Like if if you can finish at forty two wins, you probably get that eighth seed. And so Portland now winning five of their last six, you know, has suddenly now is just a game and a half back of the Memphis Grizzlies for that eighth seed. So. Certainly, a team that you you do not want to to overlook, and and with the way Damian Lillard is playing, um, you definitely can't overlook them. But the interesting thing is, this is actually a time where the injuries might might actually help the Nuggets because I would expect that they will start um, Gary Harris, Torrey Craig, and Will Barton. As, as the the point guard, shooting guard, and small forward, not necessarily in that order. Uh, obviously, Will Barton would be essentially be your de facto quote-unquote point guard, but you're really kind of playing positionless basketball with kind of three, just three wings out there, and that, I think, really works well against this Portland team because then you can be like, okay, I'm going to put Torrey Craig on Damian Lillard. I'm going to put um, Gary Harris on C.J. McCollum, and I'm going to let Will Barton you know, cover, maybe cover, I guess, Carmelo, or I mean, probably Carmelo probably plays the power forward position for them, but, um, I'm, hold on, I'm checking it, I'm checking it, uh, or Ariza, that, there you go, I forgot that they traded for Ariza, um, so, yeah, I mean, you could put Will Barton on, on Trevor Ariza, you got Jeremy Grant on Carmelo Anthony, and, and, you know, obviously Jokic and Whiteside down low, Whiteside does give Jokic some trouble, or we've seen him give Jokic some trouble, as 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 big, strong, athletic centers tend to do, but they also, I mean, Whiteside can't, doesn't really have an answer for Jokic on the other end either, so uh, you, you kind of take that, but that that's what I'm saying, is with when you have 
Barton, Craig, and Harris as your three wings, that kind of gives you the ability uh, not only to match up well and put some size on guys like C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard, but you can also pretty much switch those three all the time, right? It's it's tomato-tomato. I mean, Torrey Craig's a little bit better defender, but Gary Harris and, and Will Barton are both uh, good defenders or have been in the past. Uh, you, we, uh, Gary doesn't necessarily look quite right still, so I think he's struggling a little bit, but you can you can switch them um, easy enough so where you kind of take away a lot of what, what you can gain as an advantage in a pick-and-roll scenario um, from the Blazers' standpoint. So I, I actually like the way the Nuggets look against the Blazers for this game part, simply because they they actually have Jamal Murray out and so it allows them to play those three those three wings like I said in, in kind of a, a mix and match scenario we'll see how it goes I think Portland is certainly going to be with the way they're playing they, they're going to be looking to you know to make a point here and they they're uh, a very good team uh, or playing like a very good team right now so they could it's not like I said it's not something you can overlook this team certainly could come into the Pepsi Center and get a win. And and the problem for the Nuggets is, is like I said, now you're going to have to go back-to-back and head over to Utah. And Utah, you know, is going to be looking for revenge. Uh, and, and they're going to want to make a point at their building. And they also understand the tie-breaking scenarios. And they understand how important it is for them to win their home game uh, against against the Nuggets. So that's going to be a team you're not going to catch by surprise. Now, we know this team is, is the Nuggets are willing to show up uh, in any circumstance. We've seen that, or, or in difficult circumstances, we've certainly seen them show up like they did uh, against Milwaukee, against Utah last week. So don't put it past the Nuggets to come out and, and play a good game and maybe steal one in, in Utah as well. I think, you know, we saw the the effect of not having Derek Favors in the lineup anymore, how that really kind of freed Jokic to do whatever he wanted. Um, it didn't mean that Rudy Gobert was not a huge factor in the game, though, either. Like, Gobert really hurt Denver on both ends, particularly on that pick and roll, and that's something that Jokic is going to have to get better. He let... He let Gobert roll, and then the thing is, without a Millsap, without a Plumlee, there's no one else you can put next to Jokic who's going to have any shot at slowing him down. So Jokic is going to have to be the guy who's going to have to figure out how to contain that role better because I can't tell you, I mean, how many times in that Utah game we just saw um, Gobert just roll to the dunk, roll to the the basket, and there'd be nobody there, and it was just a wide open dunk. You know, I mean, I think he had to get like almost half of his points that way. So they they've got to figure out a way to to stop that, and it's going to have to be on Jokic. They're going to have to he's going to have to drop more, uh, which is means that his other guys. Um, are going to have to get around that screen more, which is tough to say against a guy like Rudy Gobert because he's so long, he's so wide, he's so good at setting screens, he's probably the best in the NBA at it, but that's going to be up to the the Nuggets guards to continue to fight through those screens because you can't just let Jokic switch um, and and let Gobert go because as we saw, that that really did not, did not stop Utah at all. Uh, last time. The other thing you got to worry about is, is Donovan Mitchell is probably not going to score four points again, right? He might score 50 this time to make a point. You you can obviously throw Torrey Craig back on him again um, and, and that, that slow him down as much as you can. And, and Torrey, you know, some some of the time Mitchell missed some wide open shots and that, that was just all it was in, in that game. But there was also some times where I, Torrey, I mean, I can think of two layups at least that Torrey erased at the rim because with some chase down blocks, basically, I mean, basically he got beat off the dribble, but because he's so athletic, because he's, uh, 
such a good defender that he was able to make up for it and, and get the blocked shot at the rim anyway. So you, you can certainly do that and certainly hope to limit Donovan Mitchell, but there's only so much you can limit a guy like that. And he's going to make, um, he's going to make it tough on you no matter what. So you're going to have to, you're going to have to show up, uh, there against this team and, and get, find a way to, to get a win or at least make a game of it. it you got to find a way to get a split between the Portland and the Utah games. And, and you, the thing that stinks is, is Portland as, as well as they're playing right now and in the runs that we know that they, they like to go on during this time of the season, it's going to be really, really hard for them to dig so far out of that hole that they put themselves in to catch the nuggets or to catch the jazz in, uh, in have a shot at winning the division. They're going to have a tough time catching up with Oklahoma city who currently sits in seventh and I think is a good seven or eight games ahead of Portland. So you want to win the Utah game. You you want to really take a stranglehold on the chance to get that tiebreaker. Then all you got to do is just win your one more game at home and now you have that tiebreaker against Utah. That's that's the really the game. If you're going to take a split, that's the game you want to get. But the problem is that's also the game that's the second night of the back-to-back on the road against the better team. So probably not great chances of getting it. So you've got to take care of business against Portland. And then, and then, you know, maybe you pull off another thing like you did here this week against Milwaukee and you have a, you have a shocking win. Um, but either way, one way or another, you got to find a way to get a split in those Utah, in those Utah Portland games and, and then take care. I don't have much the thing, thoughts on, on the Phoenix game other than take care of business. It's, it's one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, yes, you're on the road, but you have, I think two days of rest before you go into there. So, um, one way or another, you gotta you gotta just come up with a win against Phoenix. All right, let's close out the show here with a discussion on the trade deadline, which comes up on Thursday. So we had Zach Lowe in his latest piece um, report that the Nuggets have shown strong interest. The Nuggets and the Heat are showing strong interest in Drew Holiday. That's been a rumor that's been going around for a while in terms of the Nuggets. Probably a guy the Nuggets have had on their radar for some time. Now, when when it's funny, when these rumors first were coming out this season, I was kind of like, I'm not a person who really feels like, okay, let's go out and trade Gary Harris for Drew Holiday. I don't know that we're making a substantial difference there because and, and this is this is what's still going to be a problem, no matter how you feel about the level of play of those guys now, is Drew Holiday, just like Gary Harris, is undersized for a two-guard. So you're still going to be playing uh, an undersized backcourt with with Jamal Murray and, and Drew Holiday. Neither one of those guys uh, is above 6'5". So I think Drew, probably not even 6'4". So you're going to have those issues when you come up against teams with big guards, how you want to defend them because you don't necessarily have a guy who's got great size. Now, what we do know though is Drew Holiday is a fantastic defender. Um, and so he, he gives you, he will replace what you would lose in Gary Harris in terms of that. And the other thing we know about Drew Holiday is he's played a lot of point guard uh, in his career, primarily has been a point guard in his career, big enough, just like Jamal Murray, big enough to play a shooting guard. But I think, you know, in the, in this idea of versatility and positionless basketball, like he fits better than Gary Harris because now you give yourself another secondary playmaking option to Nikola Jokic, and you're not necessarily putting everything on Jamal Murray to be that guy anymore. Now you've got another guy who can create with the ball in his hands, both for himself and for others, and it it makes it makes things 
a lot, I think, just a lot more open for everybody, right? It, it can make the ball move more freely. It can give you more counters to whatever the defense is doing when you've got another guy that you can give the ball to and basically just continue to run different offensive sets with. Here's the problem, and that is... Gary Harris has not been playing well. I mean, he can't shoot right now. He's in the, he's in probably the worst slump of his career. Not probably. He is in the worst slump of his career. And he doesn't have enough value to get you a Drew Holiday by himself. Certainly not by himself. He doesn't have enough value to get you a Drew Holiday if you pair him with a Malik Beasley or a Juancho Hernan Gomez or a Monty Morris. There's the problem the Nuggets are going to have at this trade deadline is they don't have a ton of assets that they're willing to give up that have a lot of value. You're not going to give up Jamal Murray. You're not going to give up Michael Porter Jr. You're certainly not giving up Nicole Jokic. Beyond that, what you have to offer are some young players in a Malik Beasley or a Wancho Hernan Gomez who are nice players who have shown some flashes, but also guys who are at the end of their deals and are going to be looking to get raises and maybe not necessarily looking to get raises with you. You're selling them on the idea of you get an extended look at this guy and the right to match any offer that he gets out on the free market, but he's still going to be due for a new contract at the end of the season, and that's going to be on you now instead of us. So there's there's some give and some take with both of those guys. There's also the problem of they might not necessarily be good enough on their own right of a prospect to really get you a ton, to get you a Drew Holiday. Like Malik Beasley has looked good, particularly in these past couple of games. Wancho looked great against Milwaukee, but these guys have been up and down all season long, all career. So will they get you a ton on their own? Probably not. And then you have the last part of it, which is you traded your first round pick for Jeremy Grant this season, which means you can't trade um, next seasons either. So you you don't have a first round pick until 2022. It's not, it's still a first round pick. It's not the worst thing, but again, it's lost value. So for Denver to try and make a move on this deadline, it's most likely going to be something minor because they only have minor assets to give up. They're not going to give up any major assets. And Gary Harris at this point is no longer a major asset. Will Barton honestly is a better trade asset than Gary Harris, but that guy is so important and has been the second best player on your team all season. You're probably not giving him up unless you're trading for a star player. You're not giving Will Barton up for Drew Holiday. You're not, or at least you shouldn't in my opinion. So I just, Nuggets fans should be prepared. It's most likely going to be a quiet deadline for Denver. I don't see them moving on anything, honestly. And at most, you might see a guy like Juancho Hernan Gomez get traded for a second round pick. Now, that being said, that's not necessarily the worst thing. Bobby Marks brought up a good point this year, uh, or just this morning, about this past offseason, how... A lot of teams, ten. there were 10 different uh, instances, in fact, where teams used a sign-and-trade. And for the Nuggets, they have got four different expiring contracts, uh, well, five, too, if you count Torrey Craig, um, that they, they could potentially have some versatility to make some moves in free agency if they can get their chips to fall right. Because the Nuggets don't have any cap. 
Like, even though Paul Millsap's big $30 million contract is coming off, even though Mason Plumlee's $12 million or whatever he's making is coming off, and you've got Wancho and, and Malik and, and Torrey, those guys probably add up to maybe like $10 million, um, if that, all on their own. Even though you've got all those guys coming off, you've got the Jamal Murray extension hitting, and then you would assume you're going to try and re-up Jeremy Grant. You just gave up a first-round pick. He's been playing pretty well. Um, not pretty well. Jeremy Grant's been good. He's He's looked like... What we have seen through all these injuries is it looks like Jamal Murray, shooting guard, honestly, TBD, um, but maybe, let's just talk, I'll just say it right now, the, the, it looks like Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Michael Porter Jr., Jeremy Grant, Nikola Jokic, that's your starting lineup um, moving forward. What you do with Gary Harris is going to be an interesting thing, but the point I'm making is you would think you'd want to get Jeremy Grant back, so then that pretty much eats up not only are you over the cap, but each eats up a lot of your space under the tax uh, as well, but not all of it. But the thing is, is you can't go out now and sign free agents because you're over the cap, even though you're under the tax, which for the Nuggets, for Stan Kroenke, that's that's the real cap, right? Um, even even if you're, you're under the tax line, you're over the cap, so you can't go out and offer contracts beyond minimums to or your or your mid-level exception things like that to free agents but what you could do is perhaps maybe one of these free agent targets that you have one of these guys that you would like played for a team last year that likes Malik Beasley that likes Juancho Hernan Gomez that likes Paul Millsap Mason Plumley, whoever it is and maybe you work out a deal where you can do a trade a sign and trade and the thing about the Nuggets is if you don't get, go get off a Malik Beasley or a Juancho Hernan Gomez you've got like I said like five different guys there's probably one of them that this might work out where you could actually find uh, he's going to actually want to sign with a team that's got a free agent who you like, who's interested in you, and the contracts can work out. Like, it's probably not going to work out for all five. and In fact, it's guaranteed to not. But one of them, and maybe that's how you add a piece here, a piece there in the offseason. So it's not all necessarily bad if they don't move anybody at the deadline so don't freak out nuggets fans i think it's going to be quiet for denver it always is quiet for denver we might hear a lot about a, a lot about a deals that got to the one yard line right that's the big tim Connolly, uh kind of a joke about like tim Connolly. always like to say that kind of thing so um we might hear about a lot of that maybe they'll trade a, a second round pick for roy hibbert i don't know but i think that's about that's about as much as you can expect at this deadline i expect them to be quiet uh all right um Oh wait, I forgot to do predictions because I didn't. I didn't do the. Uh, I didn't do the games as the last part of the show. So predictions for the week. I think they go. I'll be optimistic. I say they go two and one. I think they take care of business against Phoenix, and then they'll split. Uh, probably beat beat Portland, lose to Utah. So two and one on the week. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for the show. Make sure you're following me. I'm at Zach Mikosh. Make sure you're following Gordon at G Money Nugs. Also at Pickaxe Podcast at Denver Stiffs, all right there in the name. Very easy for you guys. We're also over on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs. And make sure you guys are also subscribing to the podcast channel. This show, Nuggets, Numbers, The Dig, The Denver Stiffs Show. You can find it all on the Denver Stiffs Podcast Network. You just subscribe to one channel, you get all four shows. So it's it's a heck of a deal because it's also free. Like where where will you find a better deal than that? You won't. So make sure you guys are subscribing to the podcast channel as well. All right, everybody. Well, with that, we will talk to you next week. Listen.